coming up in this episode. Our lights going out on the northeast quarter of the United States, uh, some impact to our gas pipelines, uh, our telecommunications systems going down. If our telecommunications systems go down or they're compromised, that affects almost everything we have in this country, the way we move data, money movement, energy. That's what keeps Bill Evanina up at night. He's the National Counterintelligence Director and Director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center. And it's bad enough if those things happen, but it's worse if the intelligence community doesn't know who's behind it. Because leaks have taught U.S. adversaries how to avoid detection. And I will say that every single piece of classified information that is leaked has repercussions. Some of them are with respect to lives, some of them with respect to collection or abilities to deal with effective liaison around the world. Every single document has ramifications. A deep look at the problem, the beneficiaries, and the frontline warriors. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP. In Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. May 3rd, 2017, Washington, D.C. FBI Director James Comey testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee. All of you know what a botnet is. These are the zombie armies of computers that have been taken over by criminals lashed together in order to do tremendous harm to innocent people. Last month, the FBI, working with our partners with the Spanish National Police, took down a botnet called the Kelios botnet and locked up the Russian hacker behind that botnet who made a mistake that Russian criminals sometimes make of leaving Russia and visiting the beautiful city of Barcelona. And he's now in jail in Spain And the good people's computers who had been lashed to that zombie army have now been freed from it and are no longer part of a huge criminal enterprise. Comey's testimony was one of the few bright spots in the nasty and growing U.S. war against cybercrime. Much of it is classified, but underneath the secret and sometimes dramatic details is a gritty, wide-open, festering wound that the U.S. suffered after Edward Snowden decided to leak an untold amount of classified information about how the U.S. intelligence community tracks adversaries and enemies, and that includes the ever-worsening problem of hackers. In early 2016, the National Security Agency revealed to Target USA that Edward Snowden's leaks had done serious damage to the U.S. intelligence community. Significant. The information that uh, Snowden leaked caused immediate risk and long-term risk to the, um, to the safety of, uh, of Americans around the world um, and our friends and allies. Rick Leggett, Deputy Director of the NSA. But that wasn't all that he said. He said in addition to the fact that Snowden's leaks had done serious damage, those who were the beneficiaries of the leaks were taking advantage of them. We track uh, through our intelligence sources um, people who talk about 
hey, uh, you know, I've, I've seen this stuff that's been published about what NSA does, and I'm concerned about it because now I'm vulnerable, so I need to change the way that I communicate. We've seen targets talk about that uh, to the, in, the, in the high hundreds, close to 1,000 targets who've done that. You mean bad people? Yeah, yeah, people who are, who are legitimate foreign intelligence targets uh, of the United States. Um, and so um, they have said, I need to change my, uh, my, the way that I communicate in order to avoid uh, being detected by NSA. And a lot of them have actually done that. And that includes um, terrorist groups, including um, uh, at least one terrorist group that was actively engaged in operational pl plans directed against the United States. Do we, are we able to say the name of that? No. The changing of the tactics, one source told me that this whole scenario produced essentially uh, a virtual university for people that wanted to, quote-unquote, go to school on the U.S. Mm -hmm. You agree with that? I do. Now, fast forward to present day, May 2017. In an exclusive interview, Bill Evanina, the National Counterintelligence Executive and Director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center, says the threat is as bad as it's ever been. And we asked him if the bad guys are still using those leaks to harm the U.S. and Americans, and if Edward Snowden's leaks are the ones that are responsible. Uh, the simple answer is yes. Uh, we, ha we have seen that in the community, not only with, with terror groups, and I'm going to go back as far as the summer of 2013 with uh, uh, this under unauthorized disclosures of Edward Snowden. From then up till now, we see this all the time, not only manifested in, 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 in terror groups, ISIL, AQAP, Al-Qaeda, but also, JG, we see it with our foreign adversaries. And we may not get uh, the splash here domestically of a, of a leaked document uh, from an individual, but the manifestation of how our collection has changed around the world is dramatic. And I will say that every single piece of classified information that is leaked has repercussions. Some of them are with respect to lives, some of them with respect to collection or abilities to deal with effective liaison around the world. Every single document has ramifications, and we see it every day across the globe, regardless of what kind of adversary you are, especially when we look at what happened uh, with uh, Mr. Martin uh, at NSA, and you look at that, and you look at all the current issues that are going on with a document here, a document there, they all have harm, and that harm is manifested differently. We track all that, and no matter what we do, it's difficult when you have a document leaked from in an unauthorized manner to someone who shouldn't have it because it might not get a splash in the paper, but some adversary is going to have that, and they're going to reverse engineer it, and they're going to look to see how they could protect themselves from that activity. And that, that is not a good thing for national security. And I think that's the message for would-be leakers. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to disclose classified information to those who shouldn't have it to put your peers, the soldier at harm in harm's way, as well as risk national security now and for years to come? It makes no sense to me. So for the, for the average citizen, they're at risk too, correct? Absolutely. So when we look at the average citizen, let's look at any particular uh, breach that we've had, uh, going back to OPM, Edward Snowden. Uh, you may have been a government employee. You may not be a government employee. Your family might be. But when you travel around the globe, you don't know what's been leaked, what's not been leaked. So whether or not it's a leaked document that shows uh, critical infrastructure in the U.S., in the middle of America, well, there's people who work there at that company or that pipeline or that electrical grid or that bank, right? People are Americans working in that facility who can potentially be at risk, whether it's from a foreign adversary, from a state sponsor, or it's from a terror group. 
And speaking of terrorists, terrorists do, just to be clear, do envision using cyber someday to launch attacks. You, are you, you pretty positive of that? Well, I, I probably am not the best person to speak on that, uh, you know, with respect to uh, the folks that are in the counterterrorism uh, arena or better. But I, I'd be shocked if they weren't looking to utilize some type of cyber as uh, a, a venue for attack. Um, but I'm not an expert in that, but I would be shocked if they weren't trying to facilitate that in the future. And when you walk around here on the streets of Washington, D.C., it's eerie to think about the amount of classified information that's supposed to reside in these government buildings and agencies. And when you see hundreds of thousands of people moving through the city on foot, in cars, on mass transit, that classified data that may have been stolen and may be used for nefarious purposes may be moving right along with them. And that's a huge concern for Evanina because of what's called the insider threat. Uh, it continues to be and, and will be for a long time and has been uh, the number one single most threat uh, that I think the intelligence community and the government faces. Uh, that individual who decides uh, that tomorrow they're going to come into work and do something nefarious. And, and that activity can be with a weapon, a kinetic threat. Uh, it could be with a thumb drive. It could be a decision that they're going to steal and take data and provide it to uh, a, a news outlet, uh, another foreign government, WikiLeaks, you name it. Uh, they decide to make that decision. We have to be able to find a solution to identify the individuals before they make that. Evanina says the insider threat is just one of three critical issues that his agency and the U.S. are grappling with. Number two, critical infrastructure. The vulnerabilities we have in our critical infrastructure today are, are realized, understood, and we're working really closely in the government with private sector, uh, with, I'll say, with DHS and Treasury on the critical infrastructure issue. Specifically, our office is really concerned with three main sectors, the financial sector, the telecommunications sector, and the energy sector. Three sectors we believe are critical to sustaining the U.S. as being the number one country in the world. And we have to be able to prevent and identify threats from foreign actors who can provide significant danger to those particular sectors. Third, supply chain vulnerability. Uh, again, not a new concept in, in our world, but I think we've made some great progress the last year and a half working with industry and understanding that supply chain vulnerability, what that threat looks like, how it's manifested, and, and the catastrophic events that could happen if we don't have a holistic defense of our industry, a particular company. And what we really identified is the fact that you can have the best uh, cyber defense uh, as, as a company or as a government organization, but if you do not have your acquisition and procurement folks as part of your enterprise-wide security solution, you're probably going to have a big gaping hole for our adversaries to fill. That individual that comes in with the, the, the mindset to do something nefarious, it seems as though recently there have been a lot or at least several members of the U.S. government that have tried to do that. Is dealing with them any different than a bank or a telecom or an energy company deals with their threats? So the insider threat, I would say no. And I would say it's a matter of what uh, the victim is, who the victim is, and what data is stolen. So I would argue that in my world, the intelligence community, the data is taken from us is the gravest of harm to national security. 
um, whether with respect to, you know, the FBI employee in New York last summer who was arrested, uh, the recently the State Department employee who was charged. Uh, those are aspects of damage that we could put finite numbers and feelings and we could touch the damage that's incurred. When a private sector is victimized from an insider threat, there's proprietary information, trade secrets, there's stock that's involved, there's market uh, supremacy with that particular product, and there's research and development, millions of dollars that are lost by the insider threat who picks up and takes that 10 years of research and goes to a foreign country. So the damage, although is different from the aspects of what the value is, as a country, it's all the same. And that insider threat, whether they are in a government organization or in the private sector, still has the same damage to that skill set, whether in the bank, if it's in a weapons system manufacturing, a weapons delivery system, or they're making Kevlar technology, windmills, or seed and grain, as we've seen with Monsanto, uh, the damage is significant. In your previous incarnation of your current job as NCIX before this position was consolidated in this way, there was a very big and public effort to point out that there were two big international players that this country had to worry about Russia and China when it came to economic espionage specifically. And I heard earlier today, April 26, 2017, that the Chinese are picking up many of the same tactics that the Russians have employed. Have you seen any difference in the way in which they go about trying to steal, trying to engage uh, in a nefarious way with uh, U.S. companies, U.S. governments, uh, secrets, etc.? Well, in general, and not to um, bore your listeners with the minutia of how we evaluate that, I would say the Chinese, uh, for, as a metaphor, or like a shop vac, they'll steal anything they can get their hands on and that they need um, to house and feed a billion people, right? Their economic espionage portfolio history in the last 10 years has been vast and deep. The Russians, uh, from with respect to economic espionage, haven't been really all that engaged, but yet they're more tactical and strategic as to what they will target. Primarily, if you look at the last 25 years uh, in, this, in this venue, the Russians have been really interested in military technology, and, and they've kind of stuck in that gamut. Uh, we just recently seen them uh, breach out of that a, a little bit. But I would say when it comes to economic espionage, the Chinese uh, are the best at it right now. And we've made some progress since the last time we spoke uh, working with the FBI and the Justice Department trying to get the, the message out that it's okay to report um, a loss, a theft. Because if we don't continue to prosecute and identify uh, the methods, means, modality for which our adversaries do this, we'll be unable to stop them in the future. What keeps you up at night? I think when you look at our priorities, I think when you see uh, the threat that we have uh, from the insider, the issues on our critical infrastructure, our lights going out on the northeast corner of the United States, uh, some impact to our gas pipelines, uh, our telecommunications systems going down. If our telecommunication systems go down or they're compromised, that if affects almost everything we have in this country, the way we move data, money movement, 
energy. So I think those are the key aspects. We've seen the intelligence where our adversaries are interested in those facilities. We've seen the intelligence where they're interested in how they could harm those facilities. And it's not just always for a wartime event, right? So that's what my biggest concern is. And how do we attribute it when it happens? As you've seen in the last couple of years, attribution is a difficult aspect. It's difficult not only from a forensic perspective, but from a political perspective. So my concern is not only that it happens, what are the repercussions with unintended consequences afterwards, and how do we attribute that damage? Attribution means you need to know who did it so you can figure out how to deal with whoever did it and, and, and defend against it, correct? That's correct. And, and attribution is a big word in our community. It's a big word for policymakers. It's a big word for the White House and for Congress, right? Because everyone wants to know who did it. And then we have to put a, a value on how we know and what, how confident we are who did it and, and then how we know, right? And then there's sources and methods at play. And then the policymakers and folks who make decisions have to take that as a value and decide how they're going to use that, right? Are they going to use it for uh, sanctions, economic sanctions, diplomatic sanctions? Are they going to use it for some type of retaliatory uh, event? And that's what policymakers do, uh, which makes it more interesting because we may, in the intelligence community, want to attribute, but bigger, uh, more aspects of the country may come into play and say, hey, yes, but we're not going to for the following six reasons. So uh, attribution is a really, really big and important uh, word in in our world, because not only do we have to be sure about something, but even if we're not sure, uh, how we attribute that publicly makes, makes all the difference in the world. So I'd like to say that the day starts uh, um, on the way into work, you know, listening to WTOP and what's going on in the world. Uh, and then when I get here, I have a bunch of uh, uh, prepped binders and I have uh, intel reports that I read. Uh, and those intel reports, I'll tell you, JJ, are, are not only the, the threats and warnings that we have globally, but also the good things that we're doing, right? The great stories of the men and women in the intelligence community who are being successful in our mission. So I get, I get to see both of those. And then the meeting cycle starts. And those meetings uh, are here in the intelligence community. They're with our executive branch agencies. They're down at the White House. They're at Congress. The private sector speaking engagements. Uh, it, it's a long day, but it, I can't imagine having a, a job that I enjoy more than I do right now. In the last couple of years, a lot of really bad things have happened. I'm sure you've gotten... Uh, a, a few late night calls on the bat phone. What's your first? What's your first thought when that happens? Well, the, f- the call comes in. My first thought is uh, get all the facts as I can because sometimes we don't have all the facts. We just have what's happened and we don't know the the issues. And this is some. Uh, it's a business model that I learned a long time ago as as a young FBI agent. Uh, understand as many facts as you can, and then after that, who do I tell next? And typically, it's my boss, who is the DNI, and I explain to him not only the facts, but the context. And then I recommend to him who he should notify. So it's that tree. So it's not only identify the facts, uh, provide context, and then move forward with who should notify next. And then I go with my peers and say, okay, is it a breach? Uh, is, it a, is it a hack? Is it a loss of data? Is it a spy? And then with the context of what happened will predicate who I call next uh, in that tree. And I think that happens uh, on a weekly basis. That's Bill Evanina, the National Counterintelligence Executive. We'll be hearing more from him in the coming weeks. There's no doubt the U.S., because of the Edward Snowden leaks, is facing a troubling blind spot. But there's also a bit of a silver lining. And we recently turned to former NSA and CIA Director Michael Hayden to explain it. I saw Rick's comments as well on your show. And what he said was they were approaching 1,000 and counting 
of legitimate intelligence targets, many of them terrorists, who were changing their communications procedures, toughing them up as a direct result of the Snowden leaks. So no one should pretend that this was not without, without great cost. Now, JJ, all advantage in electronic surveillance, all advantage in signals intelligence is transient. You never have permanent capture of a target. And, and so this, this is different in volume, but not different in kind. The, the catastrophe here is that you lost so many targets in such a compressed period of time. You lose targets, but you generally lose them over time. And so now what NSA has to do is to continue the hunt, which it always does. It, it, it's just being forced to do it against a wider field, greater number of targets than is normally the case. It'll recover, but it'll take years and lots of money. And in the meantime, valuable intelligence will be lost. That's it for this week's program. Next time, we can guarantee you an interesting episode dealing with terrorism, intelligence, espionage, cyber terrorism, some element of national security, right here on Target USA. Thank you for joining us. Please follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's one word. Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And let me know what you think at Green at WTOP.com. That's one word. J, the color green, at WTOP.com. That's Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa.com. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, I'm John Horn. This week on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted, we are joined by Josh Gad. Josh Gad. And as much as he wants you to believe that none of it is scripted, I'm telling you that even my name is in a paper in front of me and I'm reading it. And everything that I'm saying right now, I'm also reading. This is very meta. And it's phonetically spelled out, so you it's know how to say Josh phonetically. Gad. And for some reason, it's also in Spanish. Yo soy Yajigad. It's called Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. You could download it on the Podcast One app. You can hear it on Apple Podcast. Or at podcastone.com. You are done. Thank you very much.